What is up, good people? Welcome to Music Mostly, the podcast where we celebrate the music that is important to us. Our stated intention is to inspire you to spend more time actively listening to music. Thank you so much for joining us. First and foremost, shout out to the very good people in the service and hospitality industries. Folks, vaccinations are up and mask wearing is down. These good people cannot work from home. So if they seem like they're moving a little more cautiously than you remember from 2019, it's probably because they want to keep themselves as safe as they can. Please be patient and remember that kindness never goes out of style. If you haven't had a chance to get your shot, please mask up and no matter what, tip like a rock star and don't be a dick. You guys got anything to add to that? Don't be a dick. Oh, wait, Do not. <laughs> I, did, I did say that. I feel like I said that. It's time to talk about music. It's time to talk about life. We're hey, 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 My name is Will Olson. I am ecstatic, as always, to be joined by my good friend, regional icon, an exquisitely handsome piece of man candy, Mr. James Raymond Scott. Hello, Jimbo. How are you? Fantastic. How good are you to, today? Good to see you. Too. Really good. Really good. Excellent. We are joined by audio engineer, jingle master, and Logic Pro Semi-Pro, Mr. Brian Gardner. How are you, Brian? Doing well. Thank you very much. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, before we get going, I'd like to remind you that we tweet the playlist to our shows a few days before the episode drops, so you have a chance to listen to the music that we will be talking about today. So please follow us on Twitter at MusicMostlyPod. Now, guys, you may or may not know this, but I am colorblind. Red-green colorblind. According to the good people at Enchroma.com and their free internet-based self-test, my condition is called mild Dutin colorblindness, also known as Deuter Anomaly. A type of red-green color blindness in which the green cones in the eye detect too much red light and not enough green light. What is that like, one might ask? Well, it basically means that when I see something red on a green background, it doesn't stick out very much. When I see something green on a red background, it damn near disappears. What does it mean? It means certain parts of Christmas suck. It means you spend your life listening to people say, What color is this? How about this? What about this? What does red look like? To all of which I say, I don't fucking know. Red looks like red to me. I have no way of knowing if that looks the same as the red you see. I already told you, I'm colorblind. Does that mean you only see black and white? No. I just don't see things as vividly as you do. What do you do at traffic lights? Oh, my fucking God. What do you think I do? I stop at the top light and I go at the bottom one, which totally looks more white than green. What color is a fire engine? Just stop. Stop. And so on and so forth. Now, as far as crosses to bear, I admit that mild deuter anomaly is a pretty damn light one. It ranges from slightly inconvenient all the way up to regular inconvenient. So why am I whining about it here today? Mostly, so I can segue into the album du jour for music mostly. Today we're going to talk about the 1988 criminally underrated album Vivid by New York City rockers Living Color. This album rocks its way through damn near every genre of the rockosphere. It proudly displays its influences before chewing them up and spitting out a blueprint 
for the rap funk rock explosion of the 90s. So get ready, glamour boys and glamour girls. Ditch that funny vibe because I want to know what is your favorite color. But before we get to that, James, what have you been listening to? Well, first of all, I want to commend you on your work just there. That was that was very good. Uh, I have been actually had a couple of uh, late night listening sessions. And uh, yesterday, somebody sent me uh, their Spotify playlist uh, after having sat around. And it was just all old hip hop, like Far Side. It was A Tribe Called Quest. It was all this stuff. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll sit down and listen to this list. And it was just, it was memory lane. It was really, really good. So it's post what we're about to talk about. But I feel like oh, it was definitely pre so by, many things. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Far side, man. I've not heard that name in a minute. I know. I just saw it on the yeah, list. That's I was, good stuff. What? I just listened to uh, <clears throat> your mama, their mom diss track. Like it came on a playlist I was listening to last week. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Your mama got an afro with a chin strap. <laughs> As he said, uh, and then he's like, your mama got snakeskin teeth. It's <laughs> so nasty. You know what that means. Oh, I do. I can God. see it. I love it. Oh, Brian, what have you been listening to? I, on a recommendation from a friend, have been listening to Exposure uh, by Robert. It's a Robert Fripp album. And it's goddamn amazing. It's all kinds of crazy, awesome shit going on there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Does it doesn't it have the Peter Gabriel exp- song exposure with for playing on it? Exposure. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah. There's so many. There's like 17 songs. There, it's a two disc thing. Yeah. Like 17 songs on the first one, 22 songs on the second one. And yeah, just like guitar craziness. I don't even know. It's so it's Soundscapes. so all over. The, like I don't know. It's, listen to it. It's great. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Well, we even listen to. Um, I listened to uh, the Pilfer's first record this week. Um, but you like ska? Because, I didn't. I didn't know you like ska. I, I do. I do. <laughs> um, but so you like I punk too, that. don't you? I do. I like it. I like it when they put the two of them together. No, you um, do. <laughs> I do. Scott Punk, they call it. Um, but I, I, well, so I was listening to this record, Vivid, and then there's some parts of it that remind me of uh, some parts on this Pilfer's record. So anyway, my head nice. went there, so I listened to it. And then, uh, speaking of Scott and Punk and early 90s pop punk, I uh, was listening to uh, Chris DeMakes, a podcast as I do, and he was interviewing uh, Butch Walker from Marvelous 3 about this song that he wrote, and he talked about how big an influence Cheap Trick was on him, Mm. and I just got to listening that, that, like, that's a band that just comes up on all the time by the songwriters that he interviews on his show, which are typically, like, these late 90s, early aughts pop punkers, and they, like, all are influenced by Cheap Trick. So I listen to some Mm. Cheap Trick. I love Cheap Trick so much. So good, man. Such great songwriting and just so perfectly executed and enormous, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And they're weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't seem normal. really weird. Yeah. Well, Uh, and you got to go, you got to go beyond the hits, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. so much cooler stuff. Yeah, Dick Deep and Cheap Trick, so good. I was going to say, like, much like, like this record, like, Cult of Personality was like a huge hit, and and it really, 
it doesn't sound a whole awful lot like the rest of the record. Like the, yeah. the rest of the record is different in, in a lot of really great ways. So, yeah. uh, anyway, um, speaking of vivid, we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll get into that. We'll be right back. And we're back. We are talking about Vivid by Living Color this week. All right, this album was released May 3rd, 1988, recorded in New York City, produced by Ed Stasium and one Mick Jagger. Uh, Mick Jagger has production credit on two tracks. I don't know anything about Ed Stasium. Do either of you guys know anything? Uh-huh. Is he? Uh-huh. Okay. Nah. Um, Mick Jagger plays harmonica on Broken Hearts and sings backing vocals on Glamour Boys, which is a great... I mean, Glamour Boys is such a great song. Uh, <laughs> it's just fierce. like nothing... It's just like nothing really else on the record. Like, it's crazy. Um, something that I thought was interesting uh, is that Ron St. Germain... Mixed Glamour Boys and Which Way to America. Now, as we have talked about, like he's involved in like most of 311's projects. And I just thought it was interesting because I drew a lot of parallels between 311 and this record just in the way that they go from riff to riff. And there's like a lot of that syncopation. And I actually heard the exact same guitar tone on Open Letter to a Landlord as I hear on this 311 song called Sick Tight. And I don't know if I'm just, you know, you know correlation and causation, not necessarily. But uh, I just found that interesting. I, I had no idea he was involved with this record, but I found it very interesting. Mm. I good. find that interesting as well. Do you? I do. do you? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. This peaked at number six on the Billboard 200, certified double platinum. Uh, the band is... Corey Glover on vocals, Vernon Reed on guitar, Muzz Skillings on bass, and Will Calhoun on drums. And we talked about this right before we started. Like, it sounds sparse. Like, there's not a lot of extra stuff on this record except for maybe some vocal samples. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, samples of, like, obviously there's, like, the speeches in Cult of Personality and more, like, samples like that where they take a snippet of something and just Mm -hmm. kind of put it in there. But not like a lot of like super layered guitars. Yeah. Not a ton of. I mean, there's like some harmony, but not a ton of it. <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like the um, any any place where the guitar had to drop out uh, for a guitar solo, which there are many, because Vernon knows how to fill up a space. But so does Muzz, and he he's able to handle these moments with just such precision and such style, with amazing tone. And just really very impressive, very big bass lines. You forget that you're not hearing a rhythm guitar, you know? Yes. You know, yeah. it, and it leaves so much space for Vernon to just do his thing. And like on this record, there are moments when it's just absolute noise. And there's moments when it's stunningly beautiful, great, melodic stumbling around the way he does. It does feel like he's about to, a lot of times it feels like he's going to fall flat on his face, and then he does, and he picks it back up, turns around. It's like, it's like a person that can't stand up. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's true. And, it's like and he's I, like drunken boxing or something. <laughs> I kind of feel like there, there's definitely times where you're, you're, it goes from sound, like it's always very tight. Like the drums, the bass, and the guitar 
are always like right with each other, yeah. but they make it sound like they're not at times. And then all of a sudden it'll just stop on a dime and yep. pivot. Yep. And you're like, how, like, yeah. how did they do that? They're that good. <laughs> they're that good. They're literally that, that, that caliber of musician. They're just top fucking notch. Yeah. Like they go, it just goes from like Prague to funk. Yeah. With, with no indicate, no segue, no nothing in yep. between. Yeah. Just a like, slight groove change. Boom. Just like that. Yeah. Um, and it's all over the place. There's uh, definitely some parts of Cult of Personality where he's, I think it's the second guitar solo, where it's just the bass and he's soloing over it. And then the solo keeps going and like this little rhythm guitar track just kind of comes in the mix underneath it. Uh, and it's done really well. And it makes you, it made it, it made me realize that like, that it was all very intentional. Like, it wasn't like, they were like, oh, we just didn't realize we could track other guitars on here. Like, they were like, no, that's that's what we want it to sound like. Yeah. And and it's it's just impressive. Yeah. Yeah, they had a sound, like, it, it's consistent through the whole record. Yeah. Of just the way that is. And there's moments, too, where you think it might be different, but there's always, like, the drums specifically, too, yeah. have a quality that just fills out. Yeah, let's talk about the drums for a second. Cannons. Because they're huge. Cannons. Yeah. It's like really precise cannons being set off. Reverb, (laughs) like just drenched. And like, I I don't even know. Like, it's got to be, I'm assuming they did that in a room that sounded like that. Yeah. Because it's very natural sounding. It sounds kind of like they're in like a storage space or something like, or fairly large, but. I was thinking like like a like a like the old school like plate reverb like in the ceiling or something like they used to have these plates in the ceiling. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just it's. I think it's more than just one thing. I think it's a few things to make probably. Yeah, that plus like the the like early digital like the Yamaha SPX whatever it was. You know you know, like you know it's just it's it's so big it's like it's just so big it, and it nothing had ever been that big i mean it's almost like especially on um i want to say what's the song uh broken hearts um it's it's a slower kind of down tempo thing but the drums are still enormous it almost reminds me yeah. of when the levee breaks you know oh yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. john bonham like that enormous and that was i think that's what that was that was like a plate reverb Yep. Yeah, isn't the urban legend that they like made him record that like in a stairwell or something like that? Well, they mic'd it in a stairwell, I believe. They like they put it, they had a spe- they piped a speaker into a stairwell. Yeah. From my understanding, and then they recorded that. So they had a what he was playing through that in that room, then recorded it. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh to me it's like the the it just gives this underpinning of like arena rock. To, yeah. every, to every song on the like, because that's just what it, you know, you just, it sounds like freaking Matt Sorum from Guns N' Roses doing his drum solo in a stadium full of people, like, just like standing up, stepping on the kick drum and wailing on the toms with like all his weight. Like, that's what every drum track on this album sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he makes it look easy, though. I mean, I don't know if you ever see him live, but he, he, he makes it look really, it does, it doesn't. None of them really make it look difficult at all. It's like, the one thing I will say is when I opened for them, and I, I had no room to stand on stage. They didn't strike their stuff. There were so many pedals. There was just an ocean of pedals. You, know, you got a bass player and a guitar player, and, there were, and that's it. 
And there were so many pedals that like I, by the end of my set, I figured out I had just enough room to just jump straight in the air and bounce a little bit <laughs> without stepping on like these rock gods pedals and having my ass kicked, you know? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They had like 60 pedals each. And it wasn't like like, like some like multi-effects unit. No. Individual no. pedals with 100 chords. Just, you know, no pedal boxes. Just a million pedals. An ocean of them. That's so funny. Yeah. No pedal boards? Like just loose? Just loose. Just loose. <laughs> Everywhere. Just a mishmash. I mean, I don't even know how yeah, they could reach some of them before they were standing. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. It was like I a- can just see the tour manager be like, yes, you heard me right. 123-inch... Cables. Yeah. <laughs> the, the tour manager was a super nice guy. He was like the friendliest of all of them. Can't remember his name. Carl, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Oh, Car- <laughs> Carl with a K. You can remember Vernon Reed's name, but you can't remember yeah. Carl's <laughs> tour manager's name. <laughs> that guy never got any credit. The, the I, one guy who, who didn't want to kick your ass yeah. for stepping on the pedals. Actually, I had a kind of a cool conversation with Vernon Vernon at the end of the night. I, I saw him. He was sitting alone in the green room. And I was forbidden to go in the green room, but I went in anyways. And he was just sitting there working on his guitar, you know, and I just, I went in and I started talking to him about about other stuff that he had done, not Living Color. Because I'm pretty well versed in the stuff he's done. And he was delighted. The moment, I, the moment I brought up some of the other stuff that he was actually selling there at the show, he was just, he was, he was, he was very friendly. Aw. Yeah, he was cool. Oh, that's very nice. nice. Oh, man. All right. Well, where do you guys want to go with this? You want to talk about styles? You want to talk about the different styles on the record? You want to just kind of try and list them? We've talked about arena rock. I mean, there's funk all over the place. Yeah. There's metal. Yeah. There's a lot of prog. I, I get a lot of prog rock. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. A lot of crazy Rush-esque yeah, like the things. The intro you know? to Desperate People. Does, yes. does not mm-hmm. sound like it's going to go into the bad brains thing that it becomes. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but the main body of Desperate People is bad brain. That's like, yeah. that is such a bad brains riff. And like, but the intro to it is straight up could be a million different things, like pro, very <laughs> prog, you know? Yeah. And oh my God, the musicianship is just over the top, you know? Really, really good. And then when it gets to the end and he goes up to the very top of his range, that's just like, that just kind of steals your breath. You forget that you're not breathing when you listen. Yeah, he hits some really cool stuff in that song. (laughs) Between that falsetto, like really high, and then that thing at the end. Yeah. He's a a great singer. He's really very good. There's a falsetto in I Want to Know. Yep. That's the first one. And it's, it's just the one note. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like he was like, like somebody was like, you can't do a falsetto. And he was like, watch this. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I got to tell you also, he, he pulls that off in live too. He does it really well. Yeah. yeah. Well, their live stuff, listening to some of their live stuff, he was spot on for so many moments that uh, uh, you would think would be difficult and yeah. could definitely struggle or, or fall short. And none of it did. And again, anytime you listen to any live performances, Nine times out of ten, it's the best of the best. They're well, not, sure, they don't but. always sound perfect, but it's great to hear a live performance that's really amazing, and you hear a band that can really pull off the stuff they can do in a studio. And I think that's part of the point of why they kind of main they maintain the sound of a three piece, even though they sound bigger than a three piece or they're really a four piece, but three instruments um, is 
they, they don't have to go far from what they can do live and what they can do in the studio. There isn't that much yeah, of a separation. Yeah, in parallels, it's, it's easy to recreate. It translates well to um, live. I don't want to say easy. Easy is not the right word. No, it's not but easy. It's, it's simple. It's, what? It's, it's, it's much simpler to recreate that if you don't put a bunch of effects and overdubs and shit on your record. It's just, it's what they do, and that's yeah. how they do it. And Right. You don't have a backup guitar player that tr- tours with you or a keyboard player that does, right. like, you know. Yeah. You, you, don't have, like, you don't have to, like, leave yeah, Alan, like Alan Johannes like standing next to the drummer, yes. like, <laughs> with right. no spotlight on him. Yeah. Um, like, I'm just playing oh. every, the same exact thing Kurt's playing anyway, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I saw of, uh, some footage of some 41 uh playing recently um i mean i saw it recently but it was stuff they had played recently and they have like the accessory unnamed like hired gun standing next to the drummer playing the guitar so that the singer can do his rock and roll moves or whatever i don't know (laughs) because it's almost like it's like he'll like play the guitar and then just kind of throw the guitar down and grab the mic and like decide that i mean you can do what you want like if you got the money and you can hire somebody to do that so you can do whatever then green day's been doing it for years that's yeah, kind of how they roll. <clears throat> I actually saw a uh, a video. It was like a news reel about uh, 311's uh, bass and guitar tech for for Nick Hexum and Peanut, the bass player. They have, they share a tech on the road, and he has the Nick Hexum's whole pedal board on the side, and he does the pedals with his hands <laughs> during the show, so that so that the singer doesn't have to fuss with any of that. Yeah, like, man, a lot a lot of stuff. Luxury. Is, a lot of stuff is done like that. Um, and now you can just program it too. So each song, you just hit a button, and everything switches. And it can be digital effects or, or manual pedals, and you can link it all up. It's there's there's elaborate setups these days. Yeah. Well, they they didn't have that. They had they did not. They, no, well, we they just had about the, the ocean of stop six hundred pedals. I'm not kidding. Floating around all over. It was the most pedals, pedals I've ever seen in one place at one time. For those of you who have never including been to, music to the haunt, uh, the stage was like freaking twelve feet by eight feet. I mean, it was. <laughs> oh, it's so a little bigger was, than that. It's 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 a big small stage. Yeah, it's a big small sense. stage. But if you can yeah. fill it up with pedals, you got a lot of damn pedals. You got a lot of yeah. pedals. Um, oh man. Um, let's see here. Do you have anything else you want to say regarding Corey Glover's voice before we move along? I think it's great. Um, I've heard, you know, I've listened to his solo stuff and liked it a lot. There's a great album called Hymns, uh, which has got some really sweet stuff on it. Um, also, I don't know if you've ever seen a documentary, um, uh, Still Bill, about Bill Withers. Corey Glover, no. there's a moment where they put on a live concert, everybody's singing Bill Withers songs to him, and he's sitting in the front row just sobbing. And Corey Glover comes out and sings Grandma's Hands. And I got to tell you, man, not a dry eye in the house. It was just so damn good. The man has got a really, and it, it, you know, it's deeply rooted in the gospel. You can hear it. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's very gospel There are moments, also, I want to say, the moments that, for me, are kind of dated and didn't trans well, translate well to rock and roll. Like, at the end of Cult of Personality, I didn't get, used to get annoyed at this, but I got annoyed with it when I listened to it. It was the, I'm the, yeah. Oh, know, yeah. Like, and I'm like, why Agreed. would you? Why would you select that to do? It's just weird. And the way he par- like chooses the <laughs> phrasing of the last line of it too is yes. there's something about Pers- that that through reality. Uh, yeah, it, it was really. I, it was so. I, I, you're right. I never thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Until the, it's, until it's, now, it's too much. And, it, and it, it's, it's, I, I kind of feel like he just felt like he was trying to compete with 
Vernon. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're outgunned, yeah. man. Yeah. He's I mean, it out there. for the time it worked, but when I listen to it now, I'm like, oh, that's so dated. No one could ever, you know, no one could do that now. It's funny that you mentioned that because that, I feel I, the exact opposite way. I didn't notice it this time around this week when I was listening to this record, but when I was younger and this album was current, that part always just bugged me a little bit. Yeah. And I think it was just because the time, because it was just the way the personality and it just doesn't, yeah, doesn't fit. It was like you're trying to make no. this thing fit and then yeah. it's not fitting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it was an odd choice. Do you think it was an ad lib? I mean, do you think that was just a. Well, it, it, well, I think it, it. Well, so there's a live version that came up. Well, after listening to this, that he phrases it differently. So I, hmm. I feel like that might have just been something where they decided to leave it in. And then the over time, he figured out how he really wanted to do it. Right. Yeah. Or, or yeah, maybe he didn't have it quite worked out. But yeah, because when that happened in the, I was like, oh, that's how that actually should probably. Sound. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's definitely like a. Like a everything and the kitchen sink. Yeah. End of that song where they just keep yeah. like all the parts are back in yeah. and we're just gonna put them on top of each other and throw yeah. it all at you. And then um oh man, and then the ask not what your country can do for you, and then it rips it. Yeah. So many great riffs. Just so many great riffs on this record. Like um oh anyway, okay. So let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about influences. Uh, we'll talk about uh, my opinion on Vernon Reed's uh, influence on Tom Morello of Raging Against the Machine. And we'll talk about some other stuff. We'll be right back. And we are back. Now, so I feel like you can't talk about living color without talking about the body glove wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> well put. It's a thing. I, just like the video, like wasn't he? He was like wearing it, but like unzipped and like, yeah, as one would wear one's overalls with one of the overalls not done. It was kind of like the suit was kind of half on and half not. And, uh, it, it was well. The point is, he was wearing a, a wetsuit, and that was his style, and. And I think it kind of be hot on stage. Yeah, but I don't think it was a wetsuit. I think they transitioned into like body glove streetwear that looked like a wetsuit. It was like breathable. It's like what Under Armour is. Yeah, now. right, right. Like it was like yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, it's perfectly acceptable in, in, in crazy neon colors. You know, <laughs> just encased in neoprene on stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's so absorbent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would stay thin. I could yeah. tell you that much. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if they were sponsored by Body Glove. It, they, it right. seems it had well, to be right. Well, I mean, even the handprint on the record kind of looked like the Body Glove logo, and yeah, I just there had to be some connection. It's worth researching. But I have not done really the research. Liked it and then. I have not done the, you know, if we were a first-rate show, we'd if we were, if we had a team of researchers, <laughs> so we didn't have to do this shit ourselves. We could just yeah. podcast personalities just spewing from our noise holes. <laughs> uh, um, in a perfect world, world will in a perfect world. Okay, um, influences. One of the things I noticed when I was listening to this record, was how many other songs just popped into my head after listening to, like, a riff or something from this record. I don't know if you guys had anything 
similar to that going on. A ton. Yeah, a bunch. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I've already mentioned two of them. Uh, the Trump. <laughs> and the, I won't do it again. Well, I'm just going to say that. I'll, I'll just remind you. But the drums in uh, Broken Hearts is very much like when the levee breaks. The way the, yeah. the, the way the guitar swells in also, it reminds me of something from the Talking Heads. I can't think, I can't put my finger on it. I got Talking Heads all over this. Yeah, show. for well, sure. And, and they do a Talking those, Heads cover talking also. Heads cover, Memories obviously. Can't yeah. Wait. Um, Memories Can't Wait. They do a great. So on that song, there's like the, it's like the pre-chorus or something where it's like, I hear like the riff from Scentless Apprentice by Nirvana, like da na 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah party in my mind. Uh, um, yeah, and then interestingly, like later as they go to the bridge, the way that the 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 notes build on each other, it sounded a lot to me like '99 Luff Balloons. Yeah, goes like da 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 da. And then and then on the way out of the song, there's a moment where he's kind of riffing over. After these memories can't wait, these he starts making these oh sounds oh, like that, and all I could think of is Eartha Kitt as Catwoman from the <laughs> old, Cat Batman. <laughs> old Batman. Uh, old Batman was Batman. Not quite, Ow. not quite Brick House, but <laughs> no. <laughs> and also not uh, cameo guy. Uh, <laughs> Word up, Black Blackmore. I can't remember what his first name is. Um, Blackwell. Yeah. Blackmore. Blackwell. Blackwell. Um. I had mentioned, I think, I don't know if I did it on, on camera or off, uh, or mic or camera, whatever. Darling Nikki by Prince, like in which way to America, yeah. he does like Dude, a lot of the like, nah! so, so yeah, much yeah. Prince. There's so many Prince moments to yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, um, parliament. I get a lot of parliament, like, or yeah. like Morris day kind of stuff going on. Yep. And then weird stuff. Th- like I want to know, which I feel like once it, once it gets the doo woppy uh, harmony stuff could have been like a Huey Lewis song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I want to know. Give me a... Meow, 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 Oh, I could totally hear Huey Lewis singing that song. Yeah, right? right? Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah. And then um, also um, uh, Desperate People, Bad Brains. Bad Brains, yeah. With, with a prog intro that I don't know what. But yeah, there's, I mean... So, okay, so... While we're on the Prague, I hear the the intro to uh, Phony Vibe. Phony Vibe. I hear that's like a Rush song, like Y Y Z by Rush. Yeah, totally. Well, the Prague thing just comes from like a lot of notes and precision, just like super tight precision. It's it's like you're doing the math in your head, and you're like, this should be a fucking disaster, but it's not. No, because they're pulling it off, and they sound that way live too. They <laughs> yeah. really sound that good live. Uh, what the, like, does anyone else think that like the Red Hot Chili Peppers may have not gone in a direction they have without this band? I so okay, so I think that's true. It's very interesting that you mentioned that because under influences, I made two sections in my notes: what I hear and where I hear them, and I put Red Hot Chili Peppers in both because I hear a lot of early chili peppers in this album but then i hear a lot of this album in later chili peppers yeah, right that makes yeah. sense yep um and the early chili peppers is also like a lot of that talking heads um where you have the real poppy bass and then just like the little funk guitar over it mm-hmm. you yeah. know yeah. like i just sparse rhythm yeah right but yeah this gave the more bombastic hard-hitting funk element yeah that like Send it into more of that metal vibe. Yeah, it's super unapologetic. Yeah. It's just like, it's just it's just so in your face and just 
Like there's, there's like zero dynamics in the drums. They're all the way out from beginning to end. Even when they get go to like that, it, it's just there's just balls to the wall all the way through. Well, it's a, it's just the guitars too. I mean, everything has such a a big, you know, whether you know it's the reverb on it or just the tonal quality. Like it all fills out so much space, but still sounds like a three piece band, right? But yeah. not thin and chintzy. And yeah, weak. you, you like, never you never feel like you're you're not being. It never it it always feels full. Yeah, always. Um, there's one other band I want to mention, and this kind of speaks to the whole like dig a little deeper on the album and don't just listen to the hit. So uh, there's this four non blonde song called Superfly, and if you listen to that. It sounds so much like a lot of what is happening on this record. Really? It's just like this this poppy okay. bass and this weird kind of funk guitar over it, under it. Like, it's, it just popped in my head. It was in my, that song was like in my head all week because I was listening to this album all week. Hmm. And I, That's great. Yeah. So, um, and it's the same thing. Like, their, if you look at their album, Bigger, Better, Faster, More on Spotify, like, What's Up has like f- 650 million plays. And then, like, all the rest. Like, all the rest of the tracks on that album actually have several million plays, I think, because that song was so huge. Yeah, yeah. That would make but, sense. But um, to, to compare, Cult of Personality has 68 million plays. Uh, and then Glamour Boys is number two with two million plays. Yeah. Um, wow. Now, Glamour Boys, I want to talk about this because I feel like that song should be a TV or movie theme song. Yeah. Like, it makes <laughs> me think, if, like, whenever I hear that song, I think about Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, and I, don't, and I don't know why. I I, I can see that, like a commercial for a candy or something. Yeah, you know, some, I am a glamour boy. A, a gum commercial or like a that chorus Mentos just comes out of nowhere. It's so it's so weird yeah. and awesome. <laughs> it reminds me of like Glamour Boys is to this body of work as My Blue Heaven is to the Pogues body of work. Like it just like like out of nowhere you're like. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Except for that was for a movie. Doing that. Yeah, but. that's true. Um, I will say Glamour Boys, I think, was intentionally making fun of itself. If you remember the video, of course, all the, you know, the body glove. Uh, but also, <laughs> it, it was kind of making fun of itself a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely. And I mean, it's making fun of a type of person. Yeah. Um, who's who's not fierce. Because not fierce. Because I, 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 I'm not that type of person. I, I'm I'm fierce. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's pivot to the last thing that I wanted to talk about, which is uh, Vernon Reed's influence on Tom Morello. Because I was listening to this and I was just like, I wonder if. Tom Morello was into like I, I just couldn't imagine a world where he wasn't into this record because it, it lays like a foundation for so much of of what Rage Against the Machine sounded like. Um, and Vernon Reed does a lot of just like the weird kind of sound wizardry that Tom Morello kind of took another step further. So anyway, so I was looking around online and I found this quote. Uh, on a website called jalopnik.com, which I'll mm-hmm. link to. But anyway, he's quoting, the guy who wrote this is quoted in a different interview. This is Vernon Reed says, Tom Morello 
once told me that he had been thinking about forming a band when Cult of Personality came out. It prompted him to do so. Reed says proudly, we are part of a genuine cultural change. Which I felt so just like... It was satisfying because you had so oh, you felt that, yeah. Um, um, it's interesting that... So he knew Tom Arello then uh, prior to Rage. I don't know. He just said Tom Arello once. So I'd imagine he probably didn't meet him until after. Right, right, okay. But there, I did see a video of them. Uh, it was like Tom Morello's. I don't know what it was called. Tom Morello's Good Time Guitar Show or whatever. And there was like Nino Betancourt, Vernon Reed, a bunch Nuno. of other guitar players. Nuno. Is it Nuno? Nuno. Nuno. No, it's right. Nuno. Nuno. That's correct. It's Nuno. My bad. I know. I just I oh, thought of that guy in years. Mr. Betancourt. <laughs> um, more than words. Uh, <laughs> That's what it's going to take. Black fingernails. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, it's it's something where there, there's like seven guitarists on stage and on stage, and they're all playing this rhythm, and they take turns doing solos. It's like eight nine minutes long. I'll try and, and refine it, and I'll I'll link to it in the notes. But um, it shows Vernon Reed playing. Tom Morello holds his guitar just like. Vernon Reed holds his guitar, like mm-hmm. holds it like way up and like yep. keeps it close to his body. Yep. And uh, then Vernon Reed started doing this thing where he was fretting like like a madman, but then just like side picking, like scraping his pick across the strings instead of playing them. And I mean, and, and it just like made sense to me. I was like, yeah, like there's just no way that Tom Morello didn't like see this guy play and be like, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's great. Um, Good on you for catching that. Yeah, I just I just thought that was us. Um, yeah, he's just an amazing guitarist, man. I mean, he's he's like one of a kind. Yeah, yeah. That he he was doing stuff that was just it just see I don't even know it, it, it it's so spastic and crazy, but it all. Jimbo, your analogy earlier, which I don't remember if we were actually recording or not. The the, the, the drunken talking. boxing. That's what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> but like, it's like it's so perfect. He's like the ultimate warrior. But, like, it really, it feels and sounds like he's going to fall down at some point, and he never does. He just, right. def- he defies gravity. He gets so close to the ground and picks himself back up. And that's that's when he's not, like, dive bombing. That's when he's actually playing lines and doing his stumble. Yeah. You know, thing. And well, and he's, he's throwing, like, sweep picking stuff in there, too. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. really just it, it's, but it he sounds, doesn't overdo It seems like it would stuff. be sloppy, but it works so well for what he it, doesn't what overdo that stuff. You you're like, no. oh, he hasn't. Uh, he's not really a shredder. Then all of a sudden he is. You're like, oh, well that just happened. Well that just happened. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he's lighting it up all over this record. Oh yeah, I he's mean, yeah doing like that huge like reverb wah pedal combination that Hendrix used to do. Yeah. Like we're just like. And I love but, how the the there's kind of a a delay on almost like a little bit of like slap delay on the reverb. So you hear the guitar and then like the reverb of it come up like in the other speaker. Yeah, yeah. At, like just slightly after it, and there's something about that with his sound that makes you know his soloing sound even cooler. I it think. just makes yeah. it enormous. It it. I mean, he just sounds it sounds like a like something from another planet. It's just like right. It's, it doesn't. It's no longer just a guitar. It's this alien voice that's just so amazing. And yeah, it's a more of an effect than yeah. It's than just just guitar playing. It's it, crazy doing something different crazy. at that point. I love him. Yeah, oh, he's he's fucking yeah. awesome. Well, you guys got anything else you want to say about this record? I think uh, it's highly recommended by all three of us. Yeah, it kicks ass. There's no two ways. Yeah, about it. I, the whole, I the whole I thing went is... into this 
knowing that it kicks ass. Uh, we didn't talk enough about Muzz. Muzz's bass playing is just ridiculous. And the different Oh, yeah, talk about, because you talked off, off uh, Mike, about the fret, fretless versus Yeah, because he's, he's playing yeah, fretless. He does very different styles. He uses a fretless on a, a bunch of songs. And then there's some real solid popping that he's doing. And he's clearly not fretless anymore. It's just like, it's like, it's like Stanley fucking Clark, you know? Oh, like the intro to uh, Which Way to America, the last song. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's oh. ridiculous. It's um, just, he's, his, his bass lines, and, and he gets this distorted tone that just digs in. And, yeah. And it's like, I guess it's what Alex Perry also called hate bass a little bit. The but hate bass. <laughs> but it, it just, it, it hurts your fillings a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, it makes your teeth mm-hmm. hurt. And that's, and uh, it's like a chewing on a metal piece of aluminum foil or something. You know, that was a, another band that popped into my head a little bit from hearing that bass was Rancid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah. Just certain moments where throwing just, you know, fairly subtle but really overall prominent licks. Like just little runs, little things that you're just like popping in there that may have just gone unnoticed otherwise. But you... you you know, you sneak them in. Yeah. So I yeah. like that. Well, I mean, it's like to stand up to the guitar playing. I mean, it's the bass stands out. Like if you if you close your eyes and tell yourself, I'm going to listen to the bass, it's very easy to do. It's very easy to, the drums, the bass, and the guitar, it's very easy to tune out the other ones and just listen, to, just focus on listening to that because they're all so prominent and they're all so Big. Oh, and also, I don't know if you noticed, but in uh, Broken Hearts, there is a very, very good bass solo. I mean, like, super melodic, and it's just so good. It's like, it, he's playing, I, I think he's probably playing a six string, because he goes to places where he's got, uh, did they have six strings back then? They probably did. But it, probably. It's, it's, it's really, it's very good. And it also sort of emulates um, Vernon's playing a little bit. He's... Mm-hmm. He's taking a cue from Vernon a little bit, and he's and it fits because of that. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's a really good bass solo. You don't hear many bass solos that good. Very melodic. Yeah. And Broken Hearts is like has like kind of a country tinge to it. It's that swell. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it only gives like a. It makes it sound like a pedal like, steel. A pedal steel. More sound, like a, yeah. I, mean, I guess maybe Americana than country, but like it's. You know, that's if you want to split hairs. But I mean, it just is like, it's almost, it was almost just like a nod to it. Like, we could do this. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's get Mick Jagger on harmonica and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do that slide guitar thing, but only if Mick Jagger will play harmonica. <laughs> well, so you fly him in. Let's fly him in. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Jagger just trying to get on some project that didn't involve Keith Richards. Any any asshole could have picked up the harmonica and done that, but they need to get Mick Jagger to do it. I can make that sound on harmonica, and I'm a I jerk. Mean, I don't know. I mean, and I have no Mick Jagger. I have Mick, no Jagger Mick Jagger was maybe a little hard up for work in the '80s and just throwing nah, it out there. Nah, he, sure was, he was nice. He, he's Lord. never been hard up for work. No, that guy just whatever. Mm, make oh God bless him. All right. Um, that's going to do it, yeah? I think so. I think we said everything. Okay. That was a good one. All right. That is the show, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that we have inspired you to spend a little more time actively listening to music. 
If you're feeling frisky, you can stay tuned after this outro for a section we call The Lounge, where we get a little loose and talk about this day in music history in a Billboard Top 10 from back in the day. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please tell a friend, subscribe, and rate and review us. Share us on your social media. If you're feeling generous, please go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. It helps us out an awful lot. You can subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms, including Spotify. If you search for Music Mostly Pod on Spotify, you'll find the show. But if you scroll down a little bit, you'll also find our user profile. That's where you can find the playlist for all the shows. Uh, you can follow our user profile as well as the show. It's a little convoluted, uh, but, you know, what can you do? Check out our website at musicmostlypod.com. You can find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at musicmostlypod. You can hit us up at musicmostlypod at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. For Jimbo and Brian, this is Will signing off. We will see you in the lounge in just a minute. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the lounge. This is the part of the show where we like to have a couple drinks. We talk about this day in music history. We talk about a top ten list. Sometimes grievances are aired. Sometimes they're not. It really just depends. And once a tambourine came out. <laughs> <laughs> We have since learned that that tambourine has been broken. London calling style on the stage. Oh, it's still there. Not that broken. <laughs> Not that broken. <laughs> um, all right, so all right, it's away. It it's, is done. Ju- it's done. It's June fifteenth. <laughs> it's June fifteenth. Uh, in nineteen seventy-three, Motown Records released "Let's Get It On" by Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. Became his most successful single f- single for Motown and one of his most well-known songs. With the help of the song's sexually explicit content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's baby make music song. right there. That is. I noticed you were trying I mean, to do your Billy D as we entered into this. And I like I was, second I was the second most. I mean, it was like Billy C, C minus. <laughs> <laughs> it's Billy F. <laughs> Billy F. Um, <laughs> let's get it on, man. I mean, just like the. Like you. It takes those three notes, and you're like, oh. And then you're like, maybe this is Bombastic by Shaggy. And even so, still a great song. Or or um, uh, <laughs> Kathleen right. Turner Overdrive from the film. Uh, uh, no, they were Barry Jive in the Uptown Five. But they changed it to Kathleen Turner Overdrive. <laughs> no, no, they were on their way to becoming Kathleen Turner. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> What's the movie? High Fidelity. High Fidelity. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Jack Black. Oh, he tore that song. Sonic, out. Sonic, Death Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are really good. Yeah, I know. I hate it. <laughs> oh, that's the. Oh, it's it's the best. I I tell you, I had a moment like that when I heard "Graduation" by Kanye West. Yeah, where like I I didn't want to like it, and I was like, like someone was like, "How was it?" And I was like, "Oh, it's really fucking good." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, on June 15th, 1974, one year later, ABBA's second album, Waterloo, entered the UK chart for the first time. The song's title track won ABBA the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest. Waterloo. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. I mean, ABBA. Does, does ABBA have any So at Green Star, we sell the Waterloo bubbly sparkling water. And like, did so, you sing the song? Yeah, because they make it an end cap, and it's right by Register Six where I work. And all I can do is Adelu all day. And then that, and then <laughs> that, um, uh, like, charming, da 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 da, the Saint Vincent song, Prince something. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Prince Charming. 
uh, or Prince, Prince something. Anyways, it keeps coming on, and I'm thinking, what is this ABBA song? Oh, what is it? And I'm like, oh, it's not. St. Vincent. Somebody put it on the playlist of Green Star. It just comes on all the time, and I love it. Oh, yeah. What's it called? It's called Prince... Is it? It's like a name, Prince. Prince, like Prince, Prince Johnny. Johnny. Prince, Prince Johnny. Johnny. Prince Johnny. So not Prince Charles. No, Prince Johnny, and it's no. it's it's it sounds straight up like an ABBA song. Remember uh, that Poe song? Johnny, angry Johnny. Angry, you know? yeah. <laughs> I want to kill you. I want to blow you. Oh, eh? <laughs> yeah, that was provocative lyrics. Again, yeah. again, you it's, forgot to say away. It's provocative. <laughs> you, you got to say away, but that's great. She's Tobias, you blow hard. <laughs> oh, man. All right. In 1985, Dire Straits started a nine-week run at number one with Brothers in Arms. Oh, I love that record. I love oh, that record. So, album. Much. Yeah. so good. I mean, every every solid goal from across the, across the board. I mean, like, the song "Brothers in Arms" is amazing. Uh, the man's too big. The man's too small, or strong, or whatever. The uh, the one about uh, right across the river. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. And then there's the this hits. was "Walk of Life." And then there's it. Yeah, they're I mean they're oh. okay. Mark Knopfler, man. Mark Knopfler. Yeah, is. this is always one of those records we put on uh, after work. The guitar. Yeah, we would and always, never get any work done because we never get any work done. We just sit and just pretend to be Knopfler and just drink. <laughs> you can pass a lot of time doing that. Um, have you ever seen? There's like a there. You can find videos on YouTube of him just discussing how he plays the guitar, like with his finger. Like his yeah, finger he's all style. finger picking, and it's 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 actually really fascinating. It makes perfect sense too. Yeah. But that's how he gets a lot of those. You know, it's just like it's... yeah. I saw him. Uh, I saw Dire Straits at the Broome County Arena, in probably like '91. It was on the on the the tour for the album On Every Street, which was the next one after Brothers in Arms. I gotta tell you, it was such a good show. It was just like, I bet they can just put on a. It was. I bet they're a great live. So on, uh, on Every Street had like this giant band with pedal steel and like all this stuff, and, but at a certain point, this small drum kit comes up off in the back and they just play as a trio, and they played like. Down by the waterline and Sultan's a swing and oh god, I gotta tell you, it just it, if you didn't cry at this show, you're not a human being. You have no soul because <laughs> you, you're a demon if you didn't cry at this. It was so good. Oh, that's I mean I love it when bands do stuff like that. Like yeah. um, Wilco did that when they played the State Theater. They brought out like a. They did like their whole rock thing, and then they brought out a, a much smaller kit. Mm-hmm. And like, do they like? Do they go all acoustic? They were like singing like around one microphone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like so awesome. it was just really cool. Like, yeah. And like the lights went kind of from like all of these color lights to like really just like white light. So it was just kind of like black and white and gray. Yeah, and like you can you know? focus yeah. on a smaller area and make it yeah. The stage it was so really smaller. yeah, it was really cool. Much more intimate. Yeah. Intimate, good word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, nineteen eighty nine, June fifteenth, Nirvana's debut album Bleach was released in the United States. Good record. Title for the album came from a poster: "Bleach Your Works," urging drug users to bleach their needles. Kurt Cobain claimed that most of the lyrics on the album were written the night before recording while he was feeling quote p 
pissed off and that he did not regard them highly. Which is interesting because so many people put so much stock into like every word that guy said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, just goes but, to show you. Just goes to show you. Yeah. Um, it's a great album though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would love to be able to write lyrics the night before and have them come out sounding heck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I was great at being a line cook. That was what I could just do. <laughs> I, th- I think that was during uh, the 2000- break, so I don't, I don't think the listeners oh, actually heard yes. that. Sorry. During the break, we talked about things that we were just good at, and um, some people are really good at playing music, and some of us are really good at menial trades. Uh, so there you go. I'm good at holding the uh, door for people. I'm really good at it. I smile. I'm really listen, polite. Listen. No, listen. you you go. You go. No, I, I, I'm just in there. Hold on. Everybody be quiet. Listen, My listen. skill. This way, sir. <laughs> I can I mean I can or this way, madam. Yeah. Either way, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you no, you can't be uh you have to be non binary these days. This way, folks. <laughs> this way, you. You get in here, you. You're gonna have a good time. You, you. Um in two thousand three, Radiohead scored their fourth UK number one with their sixth studio album, Hail to the Thief. Ooh, yeah. The title Hail to the Thief, a phrase used by anti George Bush. George W. Bush activists during the controversy surrounding the, surrounding the 2000 presidential election was a play on Hail to the Chief, a March play to announce the arrival of the President of the United States. I am not very familiar with that record, admittedly. I'm not a huge Radiohead fan. Uh, Spinning Plates is the one that it's that was kind of like the one that stands out for me on that record. It's it's uh, it's really a great track, and it, it makes your head swim with ideas. It's really it's really good. That's it. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> the end. That's the it. end. <laughs> um, okay, born today. Happy birthday, June 15th, 1933. Waylon Jennings. It's Waylon Jennings' birthday today. The Balladeer. The Balladeer. Just the good old boys. Mm-hmm. Never mean it. Beats all you ever saw getting in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Making it, he worked as a DJ and played bass with Buddy Holly, unintentionally missing the flight that killed Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Ooh, Valens. Wow, yeah, uh, making their way, the <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, one of the, the outlaw, the whole outlaw country genre. He's like a pioneer of that with Willie Nelson. I've got his biography on my, I haven't read it yet, but I do have it on my shelf over here, but I do have it. So it's just called. So he's it's just called Whalen. <laughs> um, Kristen saw this uh, female vocal group called the Whalen Jennings. Oh, the Whalen Jennings. I've seen those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. Well, they're, they're gals. Yeah, yeah. They're like bluegrass <laughs> kind of country bluegrass. Uh, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, passed away uh, two thousand two. Flattening so. the curves. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Uh, 1946, American musician and songwriter Leo Nocantelli. I'm sure I said that wrong. Best known as a founding member and lead guitarist of The Meters. Worked with Dr. John, Robert Palmer, Etta James. Did session work for The Supremes, Temptations, and Spinners. So happy birthday to... Happy birthday to Leo. We just uh, we played a gig down in Binghamton, and the band opened 
we, of course, it's, it's an instrumental, but the band opened with Sissy Strut. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that we they open with that while we just kind of stand there and boogie. <laughs> and we boogie. We boogie. Did we ever? <laughs> Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. <laughs> Uh, 1951, Steve Walsh from American rock band Kansas. Happy birthday to him. Carry on, Carry our wayward son. <laughs> Carry on, my wayward lung. <laughs> I saw Kansas at a free show at Town Point Park in Norfolk, Virginia in high school. And uh, was told that I could not add my name to a petition uh, advocating for a smoker's rights as I was not 18. Well then. <laughs> Guy saw me smoking a cigarette. I was like, sign a petition for smokers' rights. And I was like, all right. He's like, are you 18? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> are you a cop? <laughs> Literally collecting signatures to get people to let us smoke anywhere we want. No, I'm not a cop. Were they handing out free cigarettes? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, this was Virginia. It's all free cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a free for all. Can't they go came anywhere without your, getting a cigarette. They just came in your Christmas stuff. Uh, you got a smoker? Are you kidding me? Of course I do. Get over here, buddy. Come in, to, come in the mail with samples of Tide. <laughs> I used to go, this is no bullshit. I used, we used to go buy them at the bowling alley because they were just on the bottom row of the snack vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember the cigarette vending machine at the Chanticleer? It was, I don't remember that one specifically, but haunt, I mean, I remember the cigarette one. vending machine. The haunt yeah. had one. Yeah, I mean, I remember, yeah, them just being a thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When they were Cigarettes. like maybe a buck or two a pack. Yeah. They were two dollars, eight quarters. You can go get yourself a Snickers bar and a pack of Camel Lights. <laughs> they had dead Camel Lights, Marlboro Lights, Winston's, and Newports. The bowling alley. All the cowboy killers. Me. Yeah. Those were the um, days. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. That was oh God. I was like fourteen. I smoked for seven years. I quit when I was 21. <laughs> that's, oh. that's weird. Started started early and got it out of the way. Started early, yeah. Uh, 1956, David Hines from Roots Reggae Group Steel Pulse mm. was born today. Steel Pulse, the first non-Jamaican act to win the Grammy Artist for Best Reggae Album. Where are they from? Uh, I imagine they're from the UK. Hmm. I did not know that. Clearwater, Florida. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Tarpon <laughs> Springs. Branson, <laughs> Missouri. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, 1969, American rapper and actor Ice Cube was born. Yeah, Ice Cube. Ooh, birthday, Ice Cube. God bless him. 79, 89, 99, 09. Love that He's guy. 52 years old today. Wow. A couple years older than me. Wow. Young man. God bless him. I'd say you guys have lived the exact same amount of life. And probably just <laughs> just as hard, but just killing it. <laughs> just killing it. Just we, killing I, it. Jimbo also had a 1992 number one album entitled The Predator. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> it's a different chart. It, 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 little, different chart. <laughs> little known. Uh, I bet she's gonna, he's, he's probably got a fly, pla- a fly pad like me, right? It's probably... Probably, yeah. It's pretty fly. He's probably, you know, 
I do. You know, I do believe he, he lives above a can redemption. Center. I think he does. I think he does. <laughs> it's like a free law office downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay. <sighs> In 1995, the Grateful Dead played the Franklin County Airport in Highgate, Vermont. Airport, is, eh? yeah, that's interesting. How you did, like on, on the I mean, runway or in a hangar, <laughs> right on the tarmac? Or I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't, Are we in, uh, <laughs> in the lobby? In the lobby? <laughs> I don't know. Like gate oh, A seven of uh, Delta Airlines. Gate six. <laughs> that's gate six. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, this is for uh, <laughs> um, business class only. This, this is June 95. This would have been like. Close to one of their last shows. Uh, anyway, they're, they're never going to stop. That's yeah. true. Well, whatever. I don't want to get into it. Okay. Well, pretty soon all of them will be very grateful dead, literally. And wow, they're they're all well, the up, point. Is, stay up all night writing that one. Oh, <laughs> damn it! You found me out. I had one good one. Hope he didn't lose any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my life's right. work. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. The carnage. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about the uh, Billboard Top 10 singles from May 6, 1989. This is the week that Living Colors Cult of Personality peaked at number 13 on the Hot 100. Uh, number one that week was Like a Prayer by Madonna. It's a great track. Like that one, like, Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. I never liked that song. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's fine. This is when Madonna started getting fine, like really fine. annoying to me. Just like, why won't you just stop that? You know, I, don't, <laughs> I thought you just got done telling your papa not to preach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, I'll be there for you by Bon Jovi, which might be mm. the best power ballad in that genre. Never written. But it makes you, it forces you to count the words every time because you're like, is it really five words? I'll be there for you. Yeah, it is five. Okay. Well, there's a contraction. <laughs> it's not, I will be there for you. I'll be there for you. Yeah, okay, it is five. I'll okay, just make sure. Be there for I like, you. I love that. Like, making you count things or spell things out yeah. or count, you know, like, I, I, uh. he's got, now he's got a, a people from New Jersey impressive falsetto in the middle of that song. Yeah. Is it is that a falsetto? It's like uh, a scream. It's like uh, a. I don't care. I don't even know what it is, is really, but <laughs> you seem unimpressed. I just I think like if I've ever, if I ever met the man, I, I might. I would have to struggle not to slap him hard alongside his head. He's really? apparently like he's, the nicest guy. He's on, like on an the amazing human. Being. Okay, yeah, well maybe yeah. you could change my mind real quickly. I just hate his music I think so, so much. I, I think I think you would be, be like, listen, man, I'm around. sure you're a nice guy. I just want to let you know up front, I really despise your music. <laughs> So let's no. let's move on. Uh, how how are you today? <laughs> I'm sure he'd be perfectly fine with that. <laughs> he'd probably be all right. I don't I, think he, I don't think he needs you as a fan. He doesn't need though. me as a fan at all. He <laughs> certainly doesn't. He, he does not. He does not need me. The man has done very well, <laughs> and for reasons that I cannot explain. And that's what makes it hardest to accept and digest. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, uh, number three is a track called Real Love by Jody Watley. Oh, yeah. That was not familiar. Okay, so that's Dwight, you know that Dwight Carroll, my guitar player, was Damn, on that record. Is he? Yep. Really? Are you serious? Yeah, he was in, he was in, uh, he was in, what do you call it? Um, he was, he was her band director. He's, huh. 
Yeah. Wow. He was he's uh, he was in uh, what was the band she came from? Shalimar. I don't know. Shalimar. Okay. Ah. So he went on to be wow. with her. I mean, this is what Franklin told me just yesterday, two days ago. He's like, yeah. I was like, so Jody Wally was in the band. He's like, yeah. Dwight went on to be her like uh, music. Uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Supervisor, director, whatever. Yeah, but Dwight Carroll did that. That's awesome. Yep. Very interesting. Jody Watley. Yep. Nice. Nice. Good for him, man. That's mm-hmm. that's impressive. Yeah, he's an amazing guitar player. He's just ridiculous. And he's, he is. He's, he's a great really band leader. He's just really good. He seems like he's got his shit together. Yeah, we could probably get him on the show if you wanted. I would love that. I'm just I mean, saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Then he could play the tambourine. He won't. He won't do that. <laughs> no, no, he won't. No, no, he's a professional. He actually, he actually <laughs> bought me that tambourine one day. He just handed it to me. He says, "I got you a tambourine." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and you broke it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep Reason, yourself busy. Actually, you I'm not sure nice I did. Things. Other people were picking up and using it, so I may have not broken it. It just was suddenly broken. So I like I like my chances of not being the one who yeah. actually. Uh, I mean, you see what had happened was what had happened was <laughs> this is five and it, like it's five six years old. I mean it's it's I've gotten the I also the I also could throw a little great. duct tape around that space right there and be totally fine. <laughs> Might lose a little resonance, but you know <laughs> it's, it's marginal marginal resonance. Um, <laughs> it was a little loud uh, to begin try- with. It was really um it's it, it was it needs a bit of a dampening. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, track number four is Funky Cold Medina oh, by Tone Loke. Oh, Tone Loke. So Tone good. Loke. That's a great one. That man had a voice. He does. I love, you know Reference. what? My favorite Tone Loke yeah. moment is is actually he does the voice of the alien, like, step, like godfather in the very beginning of a movie called Titan AE, animated film Titan oh. AE. Have you ever seen this? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll stop then. <laughs> not yeah, bringing up Tone Loke because I'm going to stop I'm going to keep saying the same things over and over again <laughs> yeah I thought you were going to say you know the best thing was his work in Ace Ventura Pet Detective oh yeah actually that let me too. ask you a question <laughs> let me ask <laughs> ask you a question I love it when he's like uh, like an asterisk no no thanks I don't smoke <laughs> it's a disgusting <laughs> it's <a> disgusting <laughs> uh, but he has a uh, he leaves Jim Carrey uh uh, uh voicemail an answering machine message on a tape um <laughs> where he's like he's like hey i, I just found a, a love note between so and so and so and so and then he goes something ain't stirring the kool-aid man <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great uh, yeah he's luck. good oh uh, courtney cox was the female lead in that to, yeah in that yep. wow yeah. Uh, Certainly was Dan Marino. Dan Marino, right? Because it was the Isotoners. Miami Dolphins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I lived on South Beach, uh, that building, I, we used to walk by the building that was like the exterior. Ventura, you know, he's like, "Come to me, yeah. my jungle friends." But the in- exterior of going into like the um, his the, apartment building. Yeah, it, it was there. I walked past it all the time. Oh. I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> that's and awesome. like, "Yep, that's, that's awesome. filmed." Yeah. Go ahead. And he's like, Ventura. Ventura. Yes, Satan? <laughs> Come to me, my jungle friends. Uh, all right. Chat number five is Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul. I barely remember that. kind of remember that. Yeah. I'm not going to speak because every time I open my mouth, when Paula Abdul comes up, I say bad things. Well, that's fair. 
Uh, number six is a song called Second Chance by 38 Special. This is a slow jam. 38 Special. Hold on loosely. Did a lot of not rocking. Yeah, they did not <laughs> rock a lot. You know what else they did? They rocked. They, well, they rocked, but they did the soundtrack to Super Troopers. Was that them? Yep. That's that was thirty special. special, really. Like the yeah, that's a great. Uh, that's a great theme song. Wasn't who's in thirty eight? But isn't uh, is that's that? a it's a Jimmy Van Zant. Van Zant is a Van Zant. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's little Stephen Van Zant as well, which is. That's different. That's, that's a different. different he's, that's not even not the same Van Zant. Part of the Leonard Skinner family. Yeah. That's but he's yeah. Van Zant that was in Bruce Springsteen's and Bruce Springsteen's and also yeah. in the Sopranos. In the Sopranos. In Sopranos. Yeah, yeah Silvio. Silvio Dante. And uh, in Lilyhammer. Oh yeah, Lilyhammer. Everyone watch that. that. Is it good? It was a pretty good. Short I watched the first episode. It was. It was. It was fine. Have you? But it, I didn't. It's I did like not Fargo. watch enough of it to really render judgment. Have you? Have you guys started Sweet Tooth yet? No, I don't know. Oh, oh boy, never heard of that's it. That's some television. I am rewatching Downton Abbey. Oh, very nice. Really, right now. Yeah. Did anyone look up my information on Thirty Eight Special? No, no. What was? No, nobody did. Uh, I don't know. What super, your super Troopers. Was. Super Troopers soundtrack. Oh, Super. Oh, that's that's unsubstantiated. You just made that up. I, I don't think I made it up. I think I think I know things. But <laughs> All right. I want somebody to confirm it. You guys are usually pretty good about Brian, this. Brian, can we confirm that, please? Can we get a confirmation, please? That's why we need a team <laughs> yes. of researchers standing by. <laughs> It's happening right now. You should have, Brian. You should have known what I was talking about. I, <laughs> I feel like we should you need hire, to anticipate these things. I want to hire somebody named Wendy because I think Wendy'd be good. Wendy, can we confirm that? What do you think, Siri? <laughs> uh, why can't I find Super Trooper soundtrack? Bum, bum, bum. Don Barnes. I don't know. If... All right, we'll come back to that. Number. Oh well, seven. there's a there's a 38 special song on it. Okay. It says music by 38 Special in the credits. Well, I think like you're talking about the soundtrack or the music. I think they wrote the original it's music. The, it's the, like, like they wrote the, the original, theme song. Yeah, the original theme yeah. song to the film, yeah. Or Troopers with an Attitude, it's called. Uh, there's also a track by Nashville Pussy. Oh, Nashville Pussy. You know they have a scar on my stomach from them? Yeah. <laughs> Good story. Good story. That sounds like a story, Jesus. Do tell. <laughs> we were at a party and Nashville Pussy was there. And uh, I can't remember if it was a guitar player or the bass player, but one of the two chicks like had this ring on. We were playing our weird slap belly game where you like pick up your shirt and you just slap each other as hard as you could in the gut until you're like bloody red. <laughs> this is something we just did when we got drunk. Well, they thought this was entertaining. They want to get involved. So the one girl had this ring on. It was like some like demon thing sticking out and she turned it around. And slapped me and like gutted me. And I was like blood. I had blood all over my pants the next morning and everything. I'm like gutting me with this ring. Anyways, that happened. I got a little, I right. got, I got a little scar from it. Quite the story. Good story. I, I was Tell us more. <laughs> I, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, the next track is track number seven or yeah, whatever. Number seven, After All by Cher and Peter Cetera. Peter Cetera. Oh, yeah, After All. I, I remember this, is, this, yeah. Do you? I don't, I didn't remember that. I, li- I listened to a little bit of it. I didn't remember it, but Peter Cetera was like the, it's kind of like a movie sound. This is from a movie soundtrack, right? He's like a movie soundtrack. After guy, right? all that has been new, I will leave it up to you. I promise you, right? 
After yeah, he wrote like a lot of like cheesy. Yeah, it's from I, I should yeah. say cheesy. Everybody but. needs a time of now, time of now, time of now. Right, with each other, from each other. Yeah, um, I don't. I he can't. has quite the uh, list of people he's worked with, though. Amy Grant, oh, yeah. remember that one? No, yeah, he did one with Amy Beach Grant. Boys, that was big. Billy Joel, bam, bam, bam. Billy Joel, William Joel, Bonnie Raitt, Madonna, David Gilmore. Wait, he worked wow. with David Gilmore? That's what it says. I mean, when you're Peter Cetera, that, that name opens a lot of doors. Alison Krauss? That I could imagine. Because that dude sold records. I'm just stumbling over the David Gilmore moment with Peter Cetera. <laughs> that's, that's, that's giving it, me pause. That's what it says. Well, I'll well, tell you what. It's a different David Gilmore. It's not going to get better, because track number eight is Soldier of Love by Donny Osmond. Oh, Donny. Donny was having no hits in, the, in 89. Good for I'm, him. This is a... I listen to this, and I'm, I will say... It's better than I thought it would be. I mean, how bad did you think it was going to be? Because I mean, like, it's all well, relative. It, it, it rocked harder than I thought it was going to rock. It's rocked harder than Donny Osmond has ever rocked. Well, he was a little <laughs> bit rock and roll. He was a little right? country. He was a little bit rock and roll. I don't yeah. necessarily put Donny Osmond in the rocking category. Was it Marie Osmond, the one who was a little country? No, they did that together. Donnie it was, was Donny. I actually show. think she might have been the rock and roll. But they're a duet. They're a team. A brother and sister. How many brother, brother and, sister and sister teams he got? Out there, very awkward relationship. I it feel is. Like. You can't sing love yeah. songs because yeah, incestuous and weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, they did. Track number nine was <laughs> "Room to Move" by Animotion. Okay, I remember Animotion, but I don't remember this yeah. song. What, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what song. This was like is. a um, it was a very '90s like New Jack Swing kind of, um, you know, female vocal kind of. Thing. Weren't they like really? It made Euro? me think of it when I listened to it. I listened to it uh, yesterday, and it made me think of like the opening credits to uh, like a kid and play movie. Okay, if that makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah, it's a good track though, solid. And then the number ten, she drives me crazy by Fine Young Cannibals. Oh yeah, that snare drum. It's a classic. It's a good. It's song. a classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Prominent yeah, so, rhythm guitar hook. Yeah. Like electronic drums. That song will always remind me of. So I used to go to Cotillion, which is where you go in sixth and seventh grade when you grow up in the South and you want to learn how to like go to fancy dinners and fancy dances and stuff like that. And um, so we went to Cotillion and we, did, we must have danced to this song seven to eight times a night. Every Friday night for the whole winter. And the song always reminds me of that. Nice. Because it was like a handful of songs that the guy would play that were like appropriate and I don't know. That were. I got I got to say that would cool. drive me crazy. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, the cotillion in, in the very small town that I was from uh, was put on by the proprietor of the store downtown where you'd go to rent your tux for the prom and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like the very, uh, shall we say confirmed bachelor in the town. It's like the, the one, like the guys that <laughs> just like flamingly homosexual lives alone. Nobody talks about it. And he teaches all these young kids. how to do it. And like, I feel like every Southern town has that guy. <laughs> I mean, it's not just Southern towns. Now, now I've seen everything. Gay Taylor. Come on. 
He's what's what's no, no. next? He's had the he's had the same roommate for twenty, years. and he teaches dance. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, that's not a stereotype. Oh, you know, they're based on truth. Oh, all right. You guys got anything else you want to say? Um, other than that, I love you. No, no, that'll do it. Okay. Ah. Uh. You too, Brian. I think he was talking to you. Very Brian. fun. I'm talking to both of <laughs> you. Very fun of both of you. I, I didn't. I just. I, I figured you weren't talking to me. So no, I just. Aww. Yeah, because you like. You got. You all of a sudden were like, "Wow, I just got." Um, I, I left out of I'm the love. I'm glad thing. I passed this the love test, triangle. Man, the friendship test. <laughs> most most people don't tell me they love me. No, so. you passed, no. man. I love you, Brian. You passed. Oh, Whoa, that was barely. Close. Barely. Barely. Got barely. F plus. Now I'm clear. Now you got to worry about is the cock push-ups, and that's it. <laughs> Just one. Oh, we should do that album. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, until we meet again, always, always be better and get a victory every day. <laughs>